Judges and just before 1 Samuel. So go with me to Ruth chapter 2 and as we work through um, my sermon we'll read all of uh, Ruth chapter 2. I marvel at God's kindness to me. Um, Whenever I think about my life before God saved me, and I think about all the things that my mother put up with, with me before God saved me, I'm amazed at God's undeserved favor that he lavishly poured out to me in Jesus I deserved his wrath. I deserved his judgment. I did not deserve any of his favor, and yet he showered me with his kindness. And this story of Ruth leads us to really marvel at his kindness. And I hope this story, God will use this story in your life so that you too, it would lead you to marvel at God's kindness in your redemption. Um, In a little bit of a review, we know that Naomi was living in the darkest of times. When the judges ruled, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. There was famine in the land. Elimelech, her husband, her two sons, Malon and Kilion, went to the land of Moab looking for food, and while there, all of them died, Elimelech, Malon, and Kilian. And after that, after some 10 plus years, Naomi returns to Bethlehem of Judah, and we're told that she came back empty and exceedingly bitter. And as we look at chapter 2 today, we begin to see how It was the providence of God that orchestrated the meeting of Ruth and Boaz, which would be the expression, another expression of God's kindness and blessing in her life. Look with me, if you would, at verse 1, which says this, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Here, Boaz is brought into this story of Ruth for the first time. And it's none other than really the the providence of God that does that. We're told that Boaz was a worthy man. Uh, A more literal translation might read that he was a mighty man of valor. He was strong. He was was valiant. He was a man of uh, prominence. Uh, He was a man of the clan of Elimelech, and that becomes very important to this story because Boaz was a relative of Naomi's late husband. Now, verse 2 says this, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. So notice here the initiative that Ruth took. Um, They did not have husbands to provide for them. Uh, They came back to the land of Judah, um, and Naomi had been gone for over 10 years. They they probably weren't sure how people would receive them, and certainly Ruth, a foreigner, really understood that if they were going to eat, they were going to have to go work. It, 
It was the barley harvest, as chapter 1, verse 22 says. Now, harvest in that day was much different than it is today. Today, we have massive combines uh, in that day. Here, here is what harvesting would have looked like. It would have started by the cutting of the ripened standing grain with hand sickles. That was usually done by men. And then women would come along and bind up those stalks of grain into what they called sheaves. And then after that, gleaning would take place um, where they would gather leftover stalks of grain. That was usually done by the women. Um, transporting then would take place as these sheaves were brought to the threshing floor, uh, often by a donkey or by uh, sometimes a cart. Threshing would then follow. Um, sometimes it, it, threshing is this idea of loosening the grain from the straw, usually done by uh, cattle treading on the stalks of grain, but sometimes by this toothed threshing sledge or the wheels of a cart. And, and then after that, winnowing was done by tossing the grain up into the air with a winnowing fork so that the wind, which usually came up in the afternoon, would blow away the straw and the shaft and then leaving the grain at the winnower's feet. Sifting the grain then took place to remove any residual foreign matter, and then they would bag up the grain for taking it to a place of storage. Now, here is where you see God's kindness in the law of Moses. The law instructed landowners to not glean their fields all the way to the edge so that the fatherless, the widows, the sojourners would be able to gather food to eat. You learn of that in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. So this, this grain that they could glean on the edges of their property wasn't a handout. The poor needed to work to get it, but it was a kindness of God. And we see here how Ruth shows kindness towards Naomi by taking the initiative to go out into an unknown field to glean some grain. She went out with a hope. She, would, she went out with the hope that someone would show her favor or kindness. But she would have been uncertain because she was a foreigner, though the law specified that should be done. She, she didn't know for sure how she would be received. We're, we're told in the end of verse 2, and she, that is Naomi, said to Ruth, go, my daughter. So Naomi gave her blessing to go out into the fields. After all, they, they all had to eat. So verse 3 says this, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Uh, Ruth went to where the harvest was taking place. She found the reapers, and she followed after them. And she just happened to come to the field, part of the field that belonged to Boaz, who was of the clan of Naomi's former husband. He was a distant relative, but 
Ruth had no way of knowing beforehand that this was, in fact, his field. Um, at this point, I doubt that Ruth even knew about Boaz. Um, verse 1 of chapter 2 is just an introduction to this part of the narrative, but not necessarily what Ruth would have known at this point. Um, some would say, well, Ruth just got lucky. Uh, but the writer of this story wants to draw out of you a reaction that says, no, it wasn't luck, it was God at work. And we know that by the way the writer introduces Boaz in verse 1, and, and in verse 2, Ruth said that she would go wherever she would find the favor of the harvesters. But you and I know that the Bible teaches that not even a worthless sparrow falls to the ground apart from the will of God. Because of that, we know that there is no such thing as luck. The, the providence of God is, again, God's constant care and his absolute rule over all creation for his own glory and for the good of his people. It, it's God's invisible hand at work in the details of your daily life. God was at work in this barley field. Um, Ruth ending up in Boaz's field was not an accident. It was orchestrated by God. Now, incidentally, this is a side note, uh, unrelated, but because there is no such thing as luck, I think we should strike ever using the term potluck meals. Uh, we've got a couple of potluck meals coming up this summer here at the church. I want to advocate for pot providence or maybe just fellowship. I see some people shaking their heads when they say pot providence. Uh, I'd settle for fellowship meals. That's fine. That's better than a potluck meal. But anyway, that's beside the point. Back to Ruth. Um, because, because God is at work, Ruth just happened to be in the part of the field that belonged to Boaz, who just happened to be a relative of Elimelech. And at this very time, we're told in verse 4, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. So notice the kindness of Boaz's greeting. It, it seems that this godly character must have been a shining light in the darkness of this period of the judges where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Verse 5 says, Then Boaz said to his young men, who, who, the young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So Boaz, in the busyness of the harvest and with the responsibility of making sure all of his workers were doing their job, he noticed Ruth, but he didn't know who she was at first. Boaz 
seemed to be a guy who took a genuine interest in people. And the, the young servant said, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Uh, four, four times just in chapter 2, Ruth is identified as a Moabite. She was a foreigner. She stood out as different from the rest who were there. But, but here the servant points out to Boaz that Ruth had permission, had asked permission to glean, and that she was working diligently from early morning with only a short break. Now in verse 8, we read this, Then Boaz said, to Ruth. Now, listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when, they are thir- when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So in the providence of God, Ruth happened to come to this field of Boaz. In the providence of God, Boaz treated Ruth with kindness, for here he gave her permission to stay with his workers, and he gave protection to Ruth by the young men. Again, it was the period of the judges where there was no earthly king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, so that probably meant it wasn't always safe for a young woman to be around a group of men in the fields, and especially if the woman is a foreigner. But, but Ruth would be safe because of the protection of Boaz. And when she was thirsty, she was free to get a drink with the others. Boaz treated this foreign woman as one of his very own. And, and Ruth noticed that. Look at verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? So Ruth was humbled and moved by the kindness of Boaz. Why have you been so kind to me, a foreigner? Verse 11, But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and come to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So this story of Ruth had been told. The the young servant in charge of the field identified her as Ruth, but my hunch is that both Boaz knew all about her, just didn't know that this was Ruth in particular. And when they talked about Ruth, it appears that they spoke highly of her. She left her own land and her own relatives to be with Naomi. But more than that, the story was told how Ruth, by faith, was trusting the God of Israel to care for her life. It's a great picture when Boaz says, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
So yes, Ruth was with Naomi, and she wanted to help care for her, but what is most telling here is that Ruth, a foreigner, appeared to be living by faith in the God of Israel. Boaz recognized this, and it resonated with him, and this led him to ask the Lord to bless her by repaying her for what she had done for Naomi. Maybe he recognized in her a kindred spirit. Verse 13 says, Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Again, Ruth in humility, articulates a great appreciation for his kindness, something she doesn't take for granted because she, again, is a foreigner. Verse 14 says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. So here is even more kindness showed to Ruth by Boaz. Ruth was filled up and satisfied with plenty to share. Verse 15, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed her young, his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Yet, more kindness and more provision. Uh, the writer of this story is going to great lengths to show the kindness of Boaz to Ruth and to Naomi. Verse 17, so... She gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah, three, that's about three-fifths of a bushel, so an ephah of barley. Verse 18, and she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. So, re Ruth returned with all of this barley, but the leftovers. Um, and leftovers really are a great thing, aren't they? I, I love leftovers the next day for lunch. Verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, where, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. So Naomi was beginning to recognize God's provision. And this empty woman with an exceedingly bitter heart spoke kindly towards Boaz in this word of blessing. But who was it? Uh, we're told there in the end of verse 19, so she told, that is Ruth told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. So th this wasn't planned by Ruth or Naomi. Ruth had simply gone out looking for someone who would allow her to glean in the field, but 
the way in which God providentially worked, Ruth ended up in Boaz's field. Verse, verse 20 says, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers or kinsmen redeemers. We'll talk a little bit more in the next couple of weeks about this redeemer, this kinsman redeemer, but in a nutshell, a close male brother or relative of the deceased Elimelech would marry the widow to carry on the man's property and name, and this would be a provision for both Naomi and Ruth that Ruth that meant life, not death. Verse 21 says, And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young man, lest in another field you be assaulted. Verse 23, So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, my argument is that as we think about this story, it should lead us to marvel at God's kindness. And we see a number of things uh, from this story as we think about it and its impact upon our life. We see a number of ways in which I think it leads us to marvel at God's kindness. And the first is just the acknowledgement that the story of Ruth intentionally oozes with kindness. Um, you see Ruth's kindness towards Naomi and working hard to provide something to eat. You see the man in charge of the field who had given Ruth permission to glean, but especially Boaz, his kind words of blessing to his workers, his kind words to Ruth, his permission to glean, his instruction to stay in the fields until the end of the harvest, and even to pull out some of the stalks from those sheaves so that Ruth could have even more. His provision of drinking water and roasted grain, treating Ruth like one of his very own people. His instruction to give extra grain to Ruth. All of this is an expression of God's kindness through Ruth, uh, to, to Ruth and, uh, and Boaz, or through Ruth and, and Boaz. Secondly, this story of Ruth spotlights the hope of a kinsman redeemer. So after the kindness of Boaz and the realization that he was a kinsman redeemer, you get the sense in this story that Naomi's hope is building um, that through this redeemer there might still be hope in a future for her and her family. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the, in the coming weeks. But for this morning, I want us to spend more time here that this kinsman redeemer in the story of Ruth, this Redeemer ultimately points to our Redeemer, Jesus the Christ. In the story of Ruth, Boaz functions as a kinsman Redeemer. He would come to the rescue of, 
of Naomi and Ruth and meet one of their most desperate needs. But this story was written not just to tell the story of Boaz. Instead, this story points to an even greater story, the story of Jesus, our Redeemer. And I say that for two reasons. One is that Jesus taught us in Luke 24 as he walked with two disciples on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. He taught us that we should see the many ways in which the Old Testament scriptures point to him. And we see that here. But two, I say this because the very end of Ruth itself, the very end of this story points out that Boaz and Ruth gave birth to Obed, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. This is significant because the Lord made a covenant with David that a righteous king would reign on his throne forever. And when you come to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse in our New Testament. Matthew 1, 1 reveals that Jesus was born as a fulfillment to that covenant with Abraham and with David. So the kindness of Boaz in being a kinsman redeemer in the story of Ruth points to the even greater kindness of God in sending Jesus to redeem us from our sins. And the inclusion of a Moabite woman in the lineage of David and the Messiah points to how Jesus would come to redeem not only believing Jew, but also believing Gentiles as well. And so again, what is fascinating in Ruth is how we learn that the gift of Jesus as Redeemer just drips with God's kindness. He wants us to see that. Um, the story of Ruth is all about God's providence, God's invisible hand to work uh, and to care for his people. In Ruth, God's kindness is revealed through God's people. In Ruth, the need for a kinsman redeemer is felt and experienced. This story is told to help us see that God's redeemer is a beautiful and powerful expression of his kindness to us. In Romans chapter 2, Verse 4, we are told that it was God's kindness manifested in the gift of Jesus. It was His kindness that was, was meant to lead you to repentance. God worked in gracious and merciful and kind ways to lead you to repentance. If you're here this morning as one that has repented and believed on Jesus. We, we also see in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, a familiar text that says this, Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy or kind, and my burden is light. The, the Greek word for Easy there could be translated kind, Christos. Um, it can be translated kind, easy, loving, benevolent. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35 through 36, Jesus says, But love your enemies, 
and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. 1 Peter 2.3 says this, Because of the gospel of Jesus that we have come to believe, we're told this, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good or kind. Same Greek word, Christos. The Lord is kind. If you've tasted the kindness of the Lord, it's all the more reason to crave, to grow in relationship with Him. God's kindness is revealed in the gift of our Redeemer, Jesus the Christ. One final note before we close. If you've tasted the kindness of Jesus, God's gift of redemption in the person of Jesus Christ. Don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit doesn't produce in you God-like kindness towards other people. Um, we're told that kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if you, have, if you are alive by the Spirit and you are living in step with the Spirit, you can expect kindness that, that, that reflects our redeeming God, you can expect kindness to impact the way that you treat other people. Uh, not just those who um, are easy to love, but even those that are considered your enemies. Um, in this text that, that I read earlier uh, from Luke, we're, we're told that part of God's kindness is the way in which he responds to his enemies and to those who are ungrateful. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, this, and I'll end with this, we're told that rather than being angry and bitter, uh, Naomi was angry and bitter, Ra rather than being angry and bitter, we are, we are told to be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So, this kindness that we see, this picture of kindness that we see in this story of Ruth points us to Jesus. And when we find and experience and taste the kindness of that Redeemer that is given to us in the person of Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised if he isn't also beginning to produce that kindness in us. I want I to just encourage you to marvel at the gift of God's kindness to you in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, it is humbling to think about, even as Tim read from Titus 3 to begin our time together, it's humbling for us and quite good for us to remember what we once were but it's also good to remember that it's your kindness to us that led us to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. It's your kindness that provided a Redeemer. 
So, Father, I'm thankful to you for the way that you have providentially worked, um, not only in providing the Redeemer, but um, opening up our eyes, giving us ears to hear, giving us a new heart, a new desire, causing us to come to life in Jesus so that we would see the gift of Jesus as an expression of your kindness to meet our greatest need. So, Father, I'm thankful for the way that you've worked, and I want to also pray for everyone that's here this morning. You know the heart of each one. You know those that have already, already repented and put their faith in the Redeemer. But I pray, Father, for those that haven't. I pray for those that have heard the good news of Jesus but have not yet come to the place to put their faith in Jesus alone for their salvation. I pray, Father, that you would give them eyes to see your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your love in providing a Redeemer who shed his blood, who laid down his life to set us free from sin and death. And would you, by your Spirit, Just draw them to yourself and enable them to look to Jesus and put their faith in him alone today. Father, we are grateful for this privilege to know you, to even through the story of Ruth, to have a picture of your kindness towards your people. And I pray that we would be a people who every day marvel at your kindness given to us in the provision of Redeemer. We, we praise you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen.